I'd like to start tonight by acknowledging the Wajak people of the Noongar tribe, on whose Buja or country we sit. And by thanking our teacher, Ross Bolliter, for his generous Dharma, which includes inviting me to give this talk. While I never feel quite ready, preparing to give a talk encourages my practice as it brings focus and study. Thank you, Ross. Thank you also for this quote with which you launched my interest in Hong Chi Chen Che some years back. When by the side of the ancient ferry, the breeze and the moonlight are cool and pure, the dark vessel turns into the glowing world. It was given around the time you introduced Hong Chi Chen Che, sometimes known as Tian Tong Hong Chi, to our Sangha with his wonderful poem, Silent Illumination, which is now on page 6a of our sutra books. The quote was taken from Hong Chi's sermon on silent illumination. And at that time, when I first read it, I wondered about it. I wondered where it came from and what it meant. I was struck by its beauty, but I had no idea that it was the expression of an ancient Chinese Chan Saodong practice. Mo Jiao. Mo means silent or still. Jiao, illumination or clarity. An enactment of enlightenment that can be traced back to Shakyamuni Buddha. That it's the praxis or very heart of the Saodong school of Shitao and Dongshan. And that it was articulated by Hong Chi. 880 years ago. It is still the principal practice today at Tian Tong Monastery in southern China, where Hong Chi was abbot for 30 years, and where three generations later, Dogen met his teacher Ru Jing, who abbreviated the name to Just Sitting. So Dogen carried the practice back to Japan as just sitting, shikantaza. I do know that these days there are Zen centers throughout the world teaching and practicing both silent illumination and shikantaza. I wonder about their interface and enjoy exploring related texts and podcasts. In particular, the teachings in English of the late Chan master Shen Yang and his Dharma heir Gao Gu of the Dharma, Dharma Drum mountain lineage welcomed me to the teachings of Hong Chi, which have only been in the West for 32 years. During his 32 years of pioneering silent illumination in the West, Shen Yen wrote many books 
and one of the most popular being this, The Method of No Method, published in 2008, a year before he died. However, it's this very small in size but huge in impact book entitled Cultivating the Empty Field by Tegan Dan Layton, published in 2000, that provides the basis for much of tonight's talk. It's the first translation into English of volume six and parts of volume eight of the nine volume body of eloquent work, the extensive record of Chan Master Hong Chi. Over the past few years, his ancient yet immediate presence has curiously enlivened my practice. And I'd like to share with you what that has meant. When formally sitting, there is more trust and ease of focus, which trickles into everyday life with refreshing spaciousness as, although sweating the small still happens, it loses some of its grip more swiftly. And some clarity around how to respond appropriately is a little more accessible. Of course, throughout the helter-skelter of these busy days in our troubled world, my tutoring duties, lots of zigwa planning, and concern for family and friends, tensions arise. But noticing them bodily and releasing them seems to be a little quicker. And I sense there's a little more kindness around. The other day, there was even time for the rather uptight guy at the Apple store who was trying to sort the recalcitrant storage issue on my iPhone, time to tell the lengthy story of his new puppy, including how it wakes the household each morning at 2 a.m. We laughed, we relaxed, and as he told his story, mysteriously the storage issue resolved in the five minutes left before closing time. I was grateful. I'm also grateful when I feel a strong resonance with the devotional aspect in Hong Chi's writing, which includes deep appreciation and reference for nature that is sometimes aligned with the deep ecology movement in the West. Along with gratitude and respect for the lineage of teachers who have transmitted This resonance warms my practice and is especially with me each time I put on my rakasu, with the Dharma name given to me by Robert Aitken Roshi, So En, Ancestral Garden. The Ancestral Garden is vast and we're continuously practicing in the shade of its twining vines. Tracking their roots and branches can be fun. Bear with me a minute. Hmm. 
Okay, well it's called page three, but it's missing quite a lot. <laughs> so, tracking the roots and branches can be fun. And tonight the trail has led me to Hong Chi. With some of his lines, as in the translation I enjoy by Tegan Dan Layton, spiritually solitary and shining, inner illumination restores wonder. Dew in the moonlight, a river of stars, snow-covered pines, clouds enveloping the peak. In darkness it is most bright, while hidden all the more manifest. The crane dreams in the wintry mists, the autumn waters flow far in the distance. When wonder exists in serenity, all achievement is forgotten in illumination. What is this wonder? Alertly seeing through confusion is the way of silent illumination and the origin of subtle radiance. Truly, we all wonder. We wonder about life, about our aging body, about death, about our loved ones, about our practice, and about taking care of our busy lives. But the wonder in these lines is far beyond our preoccupations with, as Mary Ridwin calls it, the me who isn't here. It's the vast wonder of the boundless empty field we are and cannot cultivate. Hong Chi tells us we cannot cultivate it because it's always here never can be gained, never can be lost. And throughout his writings, he is clear that clarifying and expressing that wonder takes quite a bit of practice. He wrote, the field of boundless emptiness is what exists from the very beginning. You must purify, cure, grind down, or brush away, and that's my favourite, all the tendencies you have fabricated into apparent habits. Yes, those crusty fictions we call ourself are fabrications. Don't believe any of them. Then you can reside in the clear circle of brightness, says Hong Chi. And for Hong Chi, the point of residing in the clear cir circle of brightness, as he poetically expresses, is to graciously share yourself with the hundred grass tips in the busy marketplace. So let's hear the story of Hong Chi Chencho, who was considered the most influential Chinese Saodong teacher in the century before Dogen. He was born 109 years before Dogen in 1091 in northeast China. He was a very intelligent child who by seven years of age had memorised several thousand Chinese characters. His father was a lay student of Desan, of Linji Chan. 
and Hong Chi so impressed his father's teacher that he predicted the child would become a vessel of the Dharma. At the age of 11, Hong Chi became a monk and at 18 he went to study with Kumu Fa Chen, whose name meant dead tree. He was given this name because his style of practice echoed that of probably another Chinese name I'm making a terrible mess of, Shi Xuang Qing Shu, who centuries before had been abbot of the Dead Tree Congregation, which sat for hours and hours still as blocks of dry wood. Actually, last session in Bailingham felt a little like that. <laughs> in turn, Kumu's monks were known as the Dead Tree Assembly, and Hong Chi's practice blossomed in the Dead Tree style. In his 20s, he traveled between monasteries, studying with various teachers, and at the age of 28, received the seal of transmission from his teacher, Deng Xie. He then traveled to study with a teacher who is famed for his Cohen collection, known as the Blue Cliff Record. And later in life, Hong Chi compiled his own collection of old koans, which forms the basis of the popular book, The Book of Serenity. When he was 38, Hong Chi was invited to teach at Tiantong Monastery. And he stayed there for 30 years, only leaving it once. The day before he died, he went down the mountain to thank his lay students and patrons. On his return to the monastery, he wrote his death poem, Illusory, illusory Dreams, Phantom Flowers, 67 Years. A white bird vanishes in the mist. Autumn waters merge with sky and died in formal meditation posture, as you do. <laughs> Ross? <laughs> During his time as abbot, he restored the monastery, which flourished with well over a thousand monks. When the seasons were unkind, he was known to supply food to lay people and neighboring monasteries, including that of Da, da Hui, who, who actually first used the name Mo Zhao, translated as silent illumination, to contrast Hong Chi's teaching approach with his own. Hong Chi quite liked the name and adopted it. But most significantly for us, Hong Chi liked a lot of words a true wordsmith, as a prolific and poetic writer. His writing included poems, informal talks, discourses, old teaching stories, and practice instructions. From within his practice instructions, Tegan Dan Layton in this book has identified the following headings. There are many more, I just selected a few. The Bright Boundless Field, Face everything, let go, and attain stability. 
breezing through the world. With total trust, roam and play in samadhi. Investigating wonder. Graciously share yourself. Three generations after Hong Chi died, Rujing was abbot at Tian Tong and welcomed the eager young Dogen to those very practice instructions. With Hong Chi's lines such as, People of the way journey through the world responding to conditions carefree and without restraint, like clouds finally raining, like moonlight following the current, like orchids growing in shade, like spring arising in everything. They act without mind, they respond with certainty. And in wonder, return to the journey, avail yourself of the path and walk ahead. In light, there is darkness. Where it operates, no traces remain. With the hundred grass tips in the busy marketplace, share yourself wide open and accessible. Walking along, casually mount the sounds and straddle the colors while you transcend listening and surpass watching. And in the mountainous setting of the Tian Tong Monastery, he wrote, with coming and going, a person in the mountains understands that blue mountains are his body. The mountains are the body, but the body is not the self. So where can one find any senses? or their objects. The valley is empty, but echoes. From the beginning, unbound by seeing or hearing, the genuine self romps and plays in samadhi without obstructions. With Ru Jing, Dogen practiced silent illumination and hence we have the Japanese name Shikantaza. Dogen was greatly influenced by Hong Chi's lingering presence in the walls at Tian Tong and his writing. When back in Japan, he referred to Hong Chi as an ancient Buddha, quoting him more than any other Chan master in his prolific amount of writing. He refers to Hong Chi 45 times in his extensive record, compared to referring to his teacher, Ru Jing, 10 times. As well, Dogen frequently added commentary on Hong Chi's expression of the Dharma. On that bete noir that I know so well of making judgments or evaluations of our practice, Hong Chi wrote, Creating a pond, the moon will come. Ninety years later, Dogen responded, Creating a pond, do not wait for the moon. <laughs> their, their exchange is timelessly immediate for us as Zen students. 
as we wonder about the subtle shift in emphasis. So what is silent illumination on the cushion? I'm deeply grateful that Chan Master Shen Ying travelled to the United States in the late 1970s and brought the practice to us in the West. From his books, the articles and podcasts of his Dharma heir Gao Gu, and in turn his Dharma heirs in the West, we learn that Mo Chao is not a meditation method but a state or way of being that is simultaneously still, alert and clear. It's a state that has links to Samatha Vipassana, calm and insight of the Theravadan school. However, traditionally in that school, calm and insight were taught as sequential practices rather than simultaneous. It's thought that Mojao, or silent illumination, has perhaps even closer links to the Mahamudra practice of the Tibetan school. According to Gao Gu, an upright but completely relaxed body is the foundation. He teaches it's essential to begin sitting with the heart-mind lightly scanning and relaxing every part of the body. On the podcast, he uses the word relax no less than 27 times as he guides students to their face, the space between the eyebrows, the eyes, cheeks, perhaps a gentle smile, the jaw, neck, shoulders, forearms, elbows, and on down to the toes, making a special point of being aware of the buttocks and the presence of bodily weight. He emphasizes that the hands need to be supported by the thighs, by the lap, or he suggests even a towel or a scarf in order to fully relax the shoulders. And this has been my experience. As some years ago, when I was having shoulder pain during Zazen, I eventually discovered that it always left once I fully relaxed any tension in my hands and thumbs. Now, referential pain is curious, and truly relaxing can be elusive as habits of body and mind, fabricated habits of body and mind, persist. So beginning our sitting with the intention to soften and release any tension throughout as we gratefully and lightly scan the body can work wonders. Once tension has been released, awareness stays with the totality of the body, an amorphous lump rather than its specific parts. With focused energy, remain continuously present to the bodily form as a mountain, grounded and stable on the cushion, stool or chair. This total body awareness becomes our surroundings.
the light, the car going by. It's ever so soft breeze in here tonight. Passing emotions actually flutter in and out as bodily sensations. Sometimes they hammer in and out as bodily sensations. And we can actually sense thoughts arising and going. This is just sitting. And it can be called the first taste of silent illumination. However, both Shen Yen and Gao Gu encourage us to practice continuously in this way to fully taste the fruits of the empty field of Hong Chi. They're quite clear that they're not the same, Shikantaza and silent illumination. When we lose awareness of the total body sitting, we've wandered off, as we do frequently, and as our teacher Ross tells us, return, return, return. But sometimes we've wandered off, even perhaps into a deeply concentrated place. And these Chan teachers say, it's unbalanced. And it's staying with total bodily awareness, upholding the balance of stillness and clarity that drops off body and mind, leaving us to romp and play in that empty field. In the words of Hong Chi, just resting is like the great ocean accepting hundreds of streams, all absorbed into one flavour. Freely going ahead is like the great surging tides riding on the wind all coming onto this shore together. How could they not reach into the genuine source? The words total bodily awareness resonated deeply in me when I first heard them because they described a kind of sense of what naturally occurred whenever I sat, but for years I was stuck in checking myself and trying to do something else. The words brought great trust, completely relaxing my body while remaining upright and alert brought ease. My practice feels more alive and open. Responses to situations, to Dharma texts, to teachers' questions, and to that daunting prospect of speaking words in the dojo seem to arrive from nowhere. Relaxing this mountain body while sitting with alert, focused awareness of its totality can resolve us. Earlier this year, when visiting Hong Chi's Tian Tong Monastery myself in southern China, I took the opportunity to ask the present abbot, Chung Xin, a question through our guide and translator, Eric Liu. I asked, what is the essence of silent illumination? The abbot became quite animated and spoke at length. I couldn't understand a word of it. <laughs> Eric translated his words to say that he teaches his monks silent illumination and, while, and that while the essence is simultaneous stillness and clarity, 
Everyone is different and the same. Some people have more stillness before clarity and others have more clarity before stillness. But it's the balance that is the way. And practice brings the balance. While at Tian Tong, a small, our small group was given permission to briefly visit the meditation hall while the monks were having tea nearby. I'm still musing over the contrast between that meditation hall and the zendos I saw in Japan. Rather than the tatami mats and uniform black zafus facing the wall in Japan, at Tian Tong I saw quite thick blue mats, cushions of varying sizes, and fleecy blue knee rugs for the monks who sit facing in. It reminded me of day two of our sessions in the cold of bailing up spring, when we sit facing in for a reading or encouragement talk. By day two, everyone is settled into a fine session, practicing deeply, invariably with an assortment of cushions and fleecy knee rugs. My musing goes along the lines of, hmm, when it comes to uniform black, we're generally Japanese Zen, but when it comes to our cushions and rugs, we're certainly Chinese Chan. <laughs> now that musing brings me back to Hong Chi and Dogen and wondering about the elusive and probably illusory interface between silent illumination and shikantaza. Regarding our inherent Buddha nature, Hong Chi said to his monks, for a luminous jewel without flaw, if you carve a pattern, its virtue is lost. 90 years later, Dogen's response was, for a luminous jewel without flaw, if polished, its glow increases. Tegan Dan Layton and Shohaku Okamura have a note in their translation on, um, in Dogen's extensive record which relates to these lines. And it says that both Hong Chi and Dogen, for both of them, practice and enlightenment are one. But for Hong Chi, the emphasis is on enlightenment and practice as its natural function like a pearl rolling on its own. For Dogen, the emphasis is on practice, which expresses and actually deepens enlightenment. There is a shift in emphasis. And I wonder about how it occupies our cushions. Meanwhile, there are also many instances when Hong Chi's writing resounds as the very same temple bell in Dogen's writing. For example, when Hong Chi told the abbot, Xiang Shan, of an experience of awakening, the abbot asked, where does your enlightenment come from? Hong Chi drew a circle in the air with his hand and threw it behind him a gesture used by Dogen in his meditation hall a hundred years later. The abbot continued and asked Hong Chi, you are a man who produces muddiness. What is your capacity? 
Hong Chi said, mistake. The abbot responded, don't see people as others. And Hong Chi answered, yes, yes. Dogen continued to sound Hong Chi's bell when, all those years later, he called his life one continuous mistake. As I said earlier, tracking the roots and branches of our ancestors can be fun and enlivening. But agreeing to give this talk this evening may very well have been a mistake. <laughs> I thank you for your patience and kind attention, listening to all the misunderstandings I have up to now. Okay.